0: Congregation of the Dead, Part 27. O Lord, in wrath remember mercy. Habakkuk 3 2. In our last message in Pilgrim's Progress, we found two allegorical characters named Passion and Patience. Here is an excerpt. As we listen to this, let us as Americans attempt to be honest with ourselves and let us determine whether we are a passion or we are a patience. Hopefully, by the end of the message, we will be able to accurately identify which character we, in fact, are. Here's the excerpt. I saw, moreover, in my dream that the interpreter took him, that is Christian, by the hand and had him into a little room where sat two little children and each one in his chair, The name of the eldest was Passion, and the name of the other, Patience. Passion seemed to be much discontented, but Patience was very quiet. Then Christian asked, what is the reason of the discontent of Passion? The interpreter answered, the governor of them would have him stay for his best things till the beginning of the next year. But he will have all now, but patience is willing to wait. Then I saw that one came to passion and brought him a bag of treasure and poured it down at his feet, the which he took up and rejoiced therein, and withal laughed patience to scorn. But I beheld but a while, and he had lavished all away and had nothing left him but rags. The rags are our fig leaves of morality or our self-righteousness to cover over our nakedness or the evil proclivities of our heart, making us look moral in the eyes of the world, but as an abomination to God. For with his eyes as a flame of fire, Jesus sees straight through our morality or our immorality to the blackness of our heart. Back to Pilgrim's Progress. Christian, then said Christian to the interpreter, expound this matter more fully to me. Christian, then I perceive tis not best to covet things that are now, but wait for things to come. Interpreter, you say the truth. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. Think about that. Things that are not seen are eternal, but things that are seen are temporal. But though this be so, yet since things present, that is temporal things, and our fleshly appetite, that is the evil desires of our heart, are such near neighbors one to another. So the evil proclivities of our heart desire to be satisfied post haste that is immediately and again because things to come and carnal sense that is the evil proclivities of our heart are such strangers one to another in other words the evil proclivities of our heart do have no patience to linger or tarry or hunker down but the evil proclivities of our heart want post haste Fulfillment. They want to be fulfilled ASAP and have no desire to hold back twiddling their thumbs or cooling their heels, but are hell bent in being fulfilled in an act of sin, wanting nothing to do with eternal things. And therefore, things to come and our carnal sin nature are strangers. To one another but our sin nature is in love with things present therefore it is that the first of these so suddenly fall into friendly relationship and that distance is so continually between the second so therefore our sin nature is very friendly to present things but our sin nature is stranger to eternal things or heavenly things are we a passion or a patience in waiting upon our lord jesus to reveal himself to us are we willing to settle for a false jesus who is no more than a genie in our backpack or are we willing to wait for the real jesus to reveal himself to us let us listen to jesus and john 5, verse 43 I Jesus am come in my father's name and ye receive me not if another shall come in his own name him ye will receive another who is another but a natural man Jesus that we have formed into our own image and will freely receive but not so if it is the true Jesus. Only our natural man Jesus fits our agenda. He is our genie that we find via understanding and have stuffed him into our backpack and lug him around until we need him again and then we reach back and pull him out of our backpack. We rub the bottle and out he pops and we then petition him to answer our prayer. After he has answered our prayer, he disappears back into his bottle and we shove him back into our backpack. When he answers our prayer, like rock and roll music, puppy love, or temporal power, it is a fading glory or a fading infatuation. And ultimately, we are left finding ourselves at the end of a dead-end road in our worthless and filthy rags of self-righteousness as passion was in Pilgrim's Progress when he lavished away his bag of temporal treasures that had been poured at his feet and was left in rags. But when we as Americans are like patients, waiting on the eternal rather than the temporal things, and Jesus has revealed himself to us, and made us a new creation, and poured his Spirit into us, Jesus is no longer our genie slave that we petition in a tight spot and then shove him back into our backpack when finished. No, now as a new creation, our natural man has died, but nevertheless we live, yet not us, but Christ lives in us, and we are his life, and his life is our life, and we are no longer of this world, but of the eternal world, and we now work out our salvation in fear and trembling. Proverbs 23, verse 17. Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all day long. Why should we be in the fear of the Lord all day long? Is there really a hell? Some of us Americans might say, Do you mean that after I die and depart from this hell here on earth, there is another hell I have to worry about? Matthew chapter 10, verse 27 through 28. What I, Jesus, tell you in darkness, that ye speak in light. And what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye among the housetops. Verse 28. And fear not them, which kill the body but are not able to kill the soul but rather fear him that would be me jesus which is able to both destroy soul and body in hell you mean that even when i am in the grave i still have to deal with jesus it is still it is still not over Yes, Jesus has the power to execute judgment. And some of us will rise unto the resurrection of life. And some of us unto the resurrection of damnation. Verse 25, chapter 5 of John. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live verse 26 for as the father hath life in himself so hath he given to the son to have life in himself verse 27 and hath given him that is jesus authority to execute judgment also because he is the son of man verse 28 marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear jesus voice verse 29 and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, that is eternal life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation, that is eternal damnation. Resurrection of damnation and resurrection of life. I don't buy it. So, what does Jesus say to those of us who do not buy it? Verse 37 And the Father Himself, which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his, that is my father's voice, at any time, nor seen his shape. Verse 38. And ye have not his word. His word happens to be me, Jesus. You have not his word abiding in you that is you do not have my spirit abiding in you 1 john 3:24 and hereby we know that christ abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us back to john 5:38 And ye have not his word for whom he hath sent. That is me, Jesus. Him, that is me, ye believe not. Verse 39, search the scriptures. That is, I, Jesus, command you, search the scriptures. For in them, that is the scriptures, ye think ye have eternal life. And they the scriptures are they which testify of me jesus verse 40 and ye will not come to me jesus that you might have life that is eternal life let us suppose we were a paraplegic would we know that we cannot walk of course so if jesus was 25 feet away and he said come to me could we the paraplegic, come before Jesus healed us? Do we heal ourselves by faith and come to Jesus? Or does he heal us and give us the faith to come? How is it that these Jews who God, that is Jesus, was talking to were not able to comprehend that God was speaking to them? Jesus says, Moses predicted that i would come and here i am and you desire to kill me why is that john 5 18 therefore the jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the sabbath but said also that god was his father making himself equal with god could it be if God's own people who wrote the Bible wanted to kill him, that it could also be possible if God showed up today in America. We would want to kill Jesus. Jesus says to the Jews, Yes, I know that you are going to church, but maybe you ought to reread the scriptures, for the scriptures speak of me. And here I am the true Messiah, speaking directly to you Jews and you Americans, and you want to kill me. I'm sorry, but you have a man-made Messiah through your understanding. But you cannot come to me, nor my Father, but by revelation, not understanding. Again, you cannot come to me the true jesus by understanding but only by revelation why do you think i have done all these physical healings if not to portray that there is a spiritual counterpart to each physical healing that i do when i heal a blind man it is to show you that we are all born into this world spiritually blind. And it is I that must give you spiritual eyes in order for you to know who I am. When I heal a leper, it is to show you that we all have a leprous heart that must be washed white as snow before you can enter heaven. But the problem is that we don't know we are totally spiritually blind we don't know that our heart is so leprous that without a heart transplant we are on our way to hell now a blind man knows he is blind a leper knows he is a leper a leper also knows he is helpless to make himself clean a blind man also knows he is blind and helpless to make himself see both these men know that they are helpless to fix themselves unless I first make them clean or to see. The only thing either one of them can do is to cry out for mercy in hope that I might heal them. But you Jews do not even know you are spiritually blind, that you have a condemned leprous heart. You Jews, and that would include us Americans, are lost and don't know it. Because you have a man-made me. That is a man-made Jesus. And you think it is me when it really isn't me. And instead of crying out for mercy that I might save you, you want to kill me. Yes, I do plead that you would come to me. Here is what I would say to you Jews and Americans. Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. At that time... Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of the heaven and the earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Yes, we are as helpless to save ourselves. As a baby is to take care of itself. And that is why salvation must come via revelation and the gift of faith to believe with that revelation. Verse 26 Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. Verse 27 All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Yes, I must reveal myself unto you at a time of my choosing, but I also bid that you come to me if you are heavy laden with the evil desires of your heart. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is is easy, and my burden is light. But the fact of the matter is that you are not heavy laden over your sin. Notice that I had a qualifier on those I commanded to come to me. The qualifier is that I only bid those to come that labor and are heavy laden over their original sin. Sin is simply breaking my law. And instead of being convicted that you have broken my law, you are accusing me of being a Sabbath breaker when I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And in me is the Sabbath rest. If you come to me laboring and are heavy laden over your sins, you have no idea how arrogant you are. Here is what I told some of your colleagues. Matthew chapter 9 verse 11 and when the Pharisees sought that was the local Bible teachers they said unto his disciples why eateth your master Jesus with publicans that is tax collectors and sinners verse 12 but when Jesus heard that he said unto the Pharisees they that be whole need not a physician but they that are sick verse 13. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Yes, I would tell everyone that does not know how sick they are to go to a spiritual doctor called the Word of God, which in reality is me, and get a spiritual MRI, Yes, when you become heavy laden with the fact that you are a liar by nature, envious by nature, disobedient to my laws by nature, come back and see me, for I can assure you my yoke is very easy. I will be able to reveal to you the exceeding sinfulness of your stony heart, and as a skilled physician, I will give you a tender, repentant, Heart of flesh, transplant. Verse 39. I, Jesus, command you to search the scriptures. For in them, the scriptures, ye, that is you, natural man, Jews, and Americans, think you have eternal life. And they, my scriptures, are they which testify of me. What went wrong? And you want nothing to do with me? For i tell you the truth verse 40 and ye will not come to me that you might have life that is eternal life verse 41 i receive not honor from men that is i receive not honor from natural men for the darkness comprehended not the light how could that be john chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word that would that would be me jesus and the word was with god and the word was god the that word is in fact me jesus verse two the same was in the beginning with god that would be me jesus verse 14 and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us yes i was mary and joseph's son i am the god man verse three all things were made by him, that is me, and without him not anything made that was made. Verse 4. In him, that is me, Jesus, was life. And the life, that again is me, was the light of men. Verse 5. And the light shineth in the darkness. That would be you, natural men, Jews, and natural men, Americans. And the darkness comprehended it not. Verse 42. But I know, you, natural men, Americans, and Jews, that ye have not the love of God in you. That definitely is not being politically correct. Why would Jesus say that these natural men, Americans, and Jews did not have the love of God in them? Answer, Jesus knows that if we do not have the Holy Spirit abiding in us, it would be impossible for the love of God to be in us. For the love of God can only be shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Romans chapter five, verse five. And hope maketh not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. If we do not have the Spirit of God in us, we are none of His. Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of His. Verse 43. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not if another shall come in his own name him ye will receive another a natural man jesus that we have formed into our own image we will receive but not the true jesus our natural man jesus fits into our agenda he is our genie that we found via understanding and stuffed him into our backpack and lug him around rather than the true Jesus who finds his lost sheep, puts us on his shoulders, and carries us home. We pull out our genie bottle only when we need him. We rub the bottle, and out he pops. And then we petition him to answer our prayer. After he has answered our prayer, he disappears back into his bottle, and we shove him back into our backpack. When he answers our prayer, like rock and roll music or puppy love, It is a temporal power, etc. Like the allegorical character Passion in Pilgrim's Progress, Passion lavished all his treasure away and had nothing left but rags. That is, we Americans, like Passion, are carried away in the experiential infatuation of all of it. And there ends up being an emptiness, for it is temporal. And we end up left clothed in our rags of self-righteousness and condemned to hell. The genie experience is finite rather than being an unending experience. That is, it is a fading experience rather than a long-lasting spiritual love being constantly shed abroad in our repentant heart by the true Jesus, who relentlessly infuses us with his grace. Listen carefully to John Bunyan's portrayal of this infused grace in an allegorical format. Then I saw in my dream that the interpreter took Christian by the hand and led him into a place where was a fire burning against a wall and one standing by it, always casting much water upon it to quench it. Yet the fire burned hotter and hotter. Christian then said, What means this, interpreter? The interpreter answered, This fire is the work of grace that is wrought in the heart He that casts water upon it to extinguish and put it out is the devil. But in that thou seest the fire notwithstanding burning higher and hotter, thou shalt also see the reason of that. So he had him about to the backside of the wall, where he saw a man with a vessel of oil in his hand, of which he did also continually cast, but secretly into the fire. Christian, then said christian what means this interpreter the interpreter answered this is christ who continually with the oil of his grace maintains the work already begun in the heart by the means of which notwithstanding what the devil can do the souls of his people prove gracious still and in that thou sawest that the man stood behind the wall to maintain the fire, this is to teach you that it is hard for the tempted to see how this work of grace is maintained in the soul. So Jesus says to these Jews that you cannot come to me with one foot on the white horse and one foot on the black horse. Why not? Exodus thirty-four thirteen, But ye shall destroy their altars break their images and cut down their graves verse 14 for thou shalt worship no other god for the lord whose name is jealous is a jealous god jesus says yes you must come to the point in your lives when you seek honor from me and my father only you cannot be a friend of the world without being an enemy of me James chapter four, verse two, ye lust and have not. Ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Verse three, ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. Verse four, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is amity with god whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of god verse 5 do you think that the scripture saith in vain the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy verse 6 but he giveth much more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Verse seven, submit yourself therefore to God, you Jews and Americans, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse eight, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, Purify your hearts, ye you double minded. Verse 9. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. Verse 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Now back to Jesus, verse 44. How can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor? that cometh from God only. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth, where moth and doth doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal verse 20 but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal matthew 7 verse 13 enter ye in at the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Verse 14, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Verse 13, beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are raving wolves yes there are many false jesus that will come your way to seduce you but you must ask for wisdom and be patient i am worth waiting for do not play footsie with false Jesuses. only jesus can will us to be a new creation by revelation yes it must be god only with no cooperation from us or anyone else verse 44 How can ye believe which receive honor one of another and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Verse 45, do not think that I, Jesus, will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses in whom ye trust, that is, in whom you think ye trust. Verse 46, For had you believed Moses, ye would have believed me. For he, Moses, wrote of me. Verse 47. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? Jesus accuses them not of believing Moses' writings. Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Moses wrote about many topics in those first five books. But what was it? that he wrote that caught the eye of former mr morality what verse in the old testament convicts a moralist and forces him to look to another solution besides morality what could this verse be that made former mr morality to doubt his false messiah how about this verse deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 26 cursed that is cursed to hell be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them and all the people shall say amen cursed means cursed to hell come on now cursed if i commit one sin cursed if i am not perfect that is over the top is it not This is an Old Testament verse. I'm a New Testament man. They who were in the Old Testament were under the law. I am under grace in the New Testament, not the law. This type of talk is not in the New Testament, really. Let us look at the New Testament book of Galatians, which was written by former Mr. Morality himself. In Galatians 3.10, it says this, Cursed, that is, cursed to hell, is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Former Mr. Morality quotes Moses, but he also gives his own interpretation of what Moses was saying. For the entire verse 10 sounds like this. Galatians Chapter 3, verse 10. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written by Moses, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Again, former Mr. Morality's interpretation, as many as are of the works of the law Works of the law means to attempt to follow the law partially. Do you mean to tell me that former Mr. Morality, who was the epitome of what it means to follow the law, now understands that following the law partially is an abomination to God? In fact, following the law partially is sin. Is he telling me that if I don't follow the law perfectly, I'm going to hell? That is correct. Former Mr. Morality interprets Moses by saying that for as many as are under the works of the law, are under the curse of the law. Is the same as, for it is written, curses is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Do you mean to tell me that attempting to follow God's commandments less than perfect will send me directly to hell? That seems crazy. A loving Jesus is not going to demand we be perfect. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. I, Jesus... Command you, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. He can't be serious. I'm lost if that is the case. Being lost because we cannot follow the commandments perfectly is exactly what he desires us to be convicted of. For then there must be another solution. And what would that solution be? jesus gives us that solution matthew chapter 5 verse 20 for i say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and pharisees ye shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven paul was a pharisee and he claimed to be so moral that it appeared that he was blameless Before the law. Philippians chapter 3, verse 4. Though I, as a Pharisee, might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. In other words, if you think you are moral, believe me, I was more moral. Verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. And of the tribe of Benjamin and a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee. Verse 6 concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Yes, I thought I was blameless before the law. But as a new creation, former Mr. Morality condemns his self-righteousness and now was in agreement with Jesus that if we want to go to heaven, our righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. So former Mr. Morality now as a new creation in Christ says, Philippians chapter 3 verse 9, and be found in Christ, not having mine own Righteousness, that is self-righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. That's Christ's faith, not mine. The righteousness which is of God by faith, and faith is a gift from God. Verse 10, in order that I, the Apostle Paul, may know him. Former Mr. Morality, as a new creation, says he must be found in Christ, declothed of his morality, and clothed with the perfect obedience of Jesus Christ, which he is assured of possessing as a get-out-of-hell card free by the gift of faith produced in him by Christ. This gift of righteousness and faith, which comes with the package of the new creation, is necessary to truly know Christ via the Holy Spirit, which also comes with the package. Knowing Christ, not just knowing about him, is a big deal. For Christ, in his last major prayer here on earth, says in John 17, verse 2, as thou hast given him, Christ, talking about himself, power over all flesh, that he, Christ, should give eternal life to as many as thou the Father hath given him. Verse 3. And this is life eternal. This is equal to life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, that is my Father, and Jesus Christ, that is me, whom thou hast sent John 5:44 how can you believe which receive honor one of another and seek not honor that cometh from God only verse 45 do not think that I will accuse you to the Father there is one that accuses you even Moses in whom ye trust Jesus says look you Jews want to kill me because I'm telling you that you are not true believers. If you were true believers, you would know that I am God, and you certainly wouldn't be trying to kill me. You don't believe me because you are blind to what Moses was really saying. If you really knew what Moses was saying, you would know that I am God. I would suggest that you go back and search the scriptures again, verse 46. For had you believed Moses, Ye would have believed me for he wrote of me verse 47 but if you believe not his writings how shall you believe my words in short if we don't recognize the true jesus from the false jesus when reading our bibles or through preaching we would not be able to discern if god was really god even if he were here preaching in america today why because he can only be recognized by revelation, not by understanding. Former Mr. Morality makes this perfectly clear when speaking of his own conversion. Galatians chapter one, verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. Verse 12. For I never received it of man, Neither was I taught it, but by revelation of Jesus Christ. When in fact God or Jesus himself had taught him, the disciples taught him and those that persecuted had taught him. Yet he said that no man had taught him for it was by revelation. Yes, it is important that we teach But when the new creation comes upon us, it will be done in such a way that we know it was God only and not any of our efforts or any of the preacher's efforts. We will know it was solely God. No one, including ourselves, will get the glory but God for our salvation. In fact, even a babbling false preacher, can hit a few words of truth every once in a while. And God can take those words to bring about a new creation. A true preacher preaching a wonderful sermon overflowing with the truth may not be used by God to bring about any conversions. That is, God may choose not to take any of these words to bring about a conversion in that situation. However, that same preacher may preach the same sermon in another venue and will use it to save many. When it is the appointed time for each of the ones to be given to Christ before the foundation of the world to be converted, Christ will use whatever truth is available to reveal himself to that given one. John 17, verse 1. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee verse 2 as thou hast given him that is me jesus power over all flesh that he that's me jesus should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him that is before the foundation of the world in fact what is the will of the father for the son but to lose none of the ones given him before the foundation of the world. John six thirty seven, All that the Father hath given me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will no wise cast out. Verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. Verse 39. And this is the Father's will which sent me, that all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again in the last day. Verse 40, And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and keeps on believing on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Can we as natural men see the Son through understanding, or must it be by revelation? hopefully we have answered that question and yet even though it is by revelation christ still bids us to come to him with one qualifier and what is that qualifier we are to come to him heavy laden with the evil desires of our sin nature we must begin the process of becoming heavy laden with a repentant heart over our original sin Do we feel that God is holy and that our hearts are so wicked with evil desires that we are offending him and it breaks our heart, putting us in a state of repentance, for we desire to bring glory to his name? Former Mr. Morality, now that he is a new creation, delights in the law of God or the commands of God much differently than he did as Mr. Morality, for now instead of touting that he is blameless before the law. He touts that he is in captivity to the law of sin. For whether he follows the law or breaks the law, he sins, making him cry out, "O wretched man that I am, forcing him to look to the perfect righteousness of Christ as a get out of hell card free. Romans chapter seven, verse 21. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil, is present with me that is my sin nature the evil proclivities of my heart are always with me verse 22 for i delight in the law of god after the inward man that is uh, the new creation verse 23 but i see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me in captivity to the law of sin which is in my members Verse 24, O wretched man that I am. Now, this is the Apostle Paul who was saying he, as a Pharisee, was blameless before the law. Now he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans chapter 8, verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh that is the law demands perfection and none of us can be perfect and so it is weak through the flesh god sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh verse 4 in order that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Paul, as a new creation, delights in the law of God, for it humbles him and puts him constantly at at the feet of Jesus in order that Jesus' perfect righteousness of the law might be fulfilled within him and becomes his ticket into heaven. In conclusion, let us ask our Lord to put his fear in us, that we might see how offensive the evil desires of our original sin are to Him, that we might come to Him with heavy-laden hearts and find that His yoke is infinitely easier than any yoke this world has to offer. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Come unto me, O ye that labor and are heavy-laden with your original sin. And I will give you rest. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find your rest for your souls. Verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let us review what we have just learned to remind us What may be the reason why we are not heavy laden with sin? In this message, let us remind ourselves, we took a deeper dive into the difference between the allegorical characters of passion and patience. Passion was a portrayal of a natural man controlled by the passions of his heart. Patience was a portrayal of a spiritual man controlled by the Spirit of God. We have proved in previous messages that there is nothing in between the natural man and the spiritual man. We are either 100% spiritual or 100% natural. And we must first begin to acknowledge that Jesus must intervene in our life and make us a spiritual new creation. Common sense tells us that a man physically blind could not make himself see. All the blind man can do is cry out for mercy that Jesus might give him sight, for he knows he is blind. Likewise, we are all born into this world spiritually blind, spiritually deaf, spiritually lost, and on our way to hell, but we do not know it, and thus we don't cry out for mercy. So what should we do to get from being a passion to a patience? We must begin by learning about the reality of our lost state and the things Jesus and former morality warn us about. For example, We as Americans are all born into this world believing that our self-righteousness or morality will outweigh the evil proclivities of our heart as our ticket into heaven, and that this is why we have no fear of God and no interest in the eternal. We do not need the eternal, for we all innately believe we are heaven-bound from conception. So we must, little by little, come to acknowledge that we are all born into this world as a passion— clothed in our self-righteousness rather than Christ's beautiful robe of righteousness. So what have we learned are the characteristics of passion? Let us recap by remembering that passions, lusts, or evil proclivities of his heart are near neighbors with things present, and we are, as Americans, still a passion and not a patience if, number one, we are friends of the world For friendship with the world makes us an enemy of God. Number two, we are still a passion if we have two masters. For Jesus is a jealous God and condemns us to hell if we have one foot on the black horse and one foot on the white horse. Number three, we are still a passion if we lay up for ourselves as Americans treasures upon earth where moth and dust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But we lay not up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. Number four, we are still a passion if Jesus is no more than our slave genie in our backpack that we lug around until a time of need, and then we pull him out of our backpack and petition him in a prayer, and then shove him back in our backpack when finished with him. Rather than a Jesus in which the Spirit of Christ does literally live in us, That is, our natural man is dead, yet we live. Yet not us, but Christ's Spirit lives literally in us by the gift of the faith of Christ, not our own faith. And the love of God is continually being shed abroad in our heart for Christ's Spirit continually abides in us. And we, the true believers, are like a fire against the wall. And the more the devil pours water upon our fire, hotter and higher our flames rage. Number five, we are still a passion and curse to hell if we are attempting to follow God's law partially rather than perfectly. For it is written by former Mr. Morality that as many of us Americans who are of the works of the law are under the curse of the law. That is, those of us who are still clothed in the rags of self-righteousness rather than Christ's imputed righteousness are thus condemned to hell. So as Americans, we all know we are liars by nature and that we lie to ourselves the most. Can we, for a brief moment, be honest with ourselves and ask God to show us which we are, a passion or a patience? Which is it? If we have determined we are a passion and not a patience, let us do as this woman did. Mark, Verse 25. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, verse 26, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse, verse 27. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind, and touched his garment, verse 28. For she said, If I may touch But his clothes I shall be whole. Verse 29, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? Verse 31, and his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Verse 32. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing that was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Verse 34. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague like the blind man or the deaf man, knew they were blind and deaf. This woman knew not only she could not heal herself, but she had spent all on doctor after doctor, yet grew worse. How many of us Americans have been laboring and heavy laden with our sin nature, and like this woman, have spent all our spiritual capital going from free will church to free will church, and yet not only still have not found any peace for our soul but have grown worse spiritually speaking this woman knew that she like a babe or a baby was completely helpless yet like a baby reaching to her mother's clothes to get her attention for help this woman reached for jesus's garment do we as americans who have been laboring and heavy laden with our original sin for years now know that our free will is a fiction and are ready like an impotent baby to touch Jesus' scepter of righteousness, that Jesus' virtue might go out from him to us, that we might be made a new creation. And we, like this woman, in fear and trembling, know what was just done in us. We will willingly come and fall down before him and tell him all the truth. For Jesus bids us to come now, if we are heavy laden with our sin, no matter how deep our sin might be, let us not wait for Jesus may not call again. This woman did not wait, but fought her way through the crowd. Jesus is still as alive today in 2022, as he was 2022 years ago. And he is saying to us Americans, if we are a moralist, knowing we are in rags, or if we are a heavy laden thief or if we are a heavy laden murderer or if we are a heavy laden sexual deviant or if we are a heavy laden adulterer or if we are a heavy laden fornicator or a heavy laden sabbath breaker then the risen jesus is saying to us come to me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. To be continued, may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace.